The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim, your favorite Korean here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the WC WGC Mexico Championship. As usual, I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambellini. Tyler, how you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. I'm excited for this week. Uh, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. I'm kind of glad the field's a little bit smaller so that we can dial into some of this conversation a lot went on in the world of golf this week and i have a feeling that you and i are going to disagree uh, more than we ever have in the history of this pod of us doing it together i mean maybe i, I we don't talk about the pod very much beforehand except for like a few little notes so we'll see how it goes but let's talk about last week uh let's talk about all the controversies uh the different things that happened a good win by jb holmes you know, it's again, it sort of crushed me because I had Justin Thomas. He was one of my bets on the betting segment uh, last week at 12 to 1. I put uh, like two and a half units on him. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I took a nap uh, right in the beginning of the fourth round. I was tired as hell. You know, he was up by like four or five strokes. He's like, JT got this. And then I wake up and he's losing. And I was like, what the fuck happened? What yeah. happened? Uh, uh, but I, you know, I, JT's gotten sort of the bad luck. Uh, uh, what we've seen from him the last two Sundays has been a rarity that he's played at the waste management and at the, um, this past week at Riviera where he's sort of blown it a little bit on the, on Sunday. I mean, before these past two weeks, you know, in his wins, he's averaging 67.5 on Sundays uh, during his wins, an average score. He's also been top five in final round scoring the last two years, uh, still top 25 this year. He might've dropped after uh, last week uh, after yesterday's debacle, 
Uh, but you know, it was it was it was a little bit shocking to see him fall like this again. You know, sort of back to back weeks. Now I don't think it's going to be a big deal for him. The way Justin Thomas plays, it doesn't seem like a lot gets into his head, and that's one of the reasons why I like him as a golfer. Uh, you don't see him getting too frazzled, too bothered out there uh, very often. Uh, but you know, JB, uh, everyone's talking about the slow play. What's your take on uh, JB Holmes and his slow play this past week? Um, it is what it is. I think that's uh, one of the least concerns of, of what went on. I think it gets talked about. Um, the Kucher thing is bigger. Uh, another guy that crumbles worse than Thomas on Sundays is bigger, Jordan Spieth. And the Holmes thing, what I'll say is this. It's, I think the guys that got it right on Twitter and, the, and posting articles and whatnot about it was this, is that if it's going to be allowed, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. And I think, I can't remember who else said this, but like show more shots. The only reason it seems slow at home here is you. Exactly. Show, show more shots. I didn't, I didn't see any of these guys on Sunday. Someone posted after you, though. You're right. It was and posted a list of guys that you didn't get to see on Sunday that were actually moving up the board. Like, you know, Rom, um, you know, didn't see much of Hal, Leishman, d- didn't, didn't see a lot of all these guys till it was later in the day. Leishman sort of got pulled in. But Matsuyama, there's all these guys that are still finished top 15 course you got to see tiger but if they're going to do it that way at the end of the day too it looks like if it's a strategy at work the only two guys to bury themselves on sunday completely besides speed who we'll get to justin thomas plus four adam scott plus five everybody else in the top 10 was even or under par so i mean i don't know if it is a strategy of his some of the stuff's a little bit ridiculous so yeah it is on him but at the same time if it's going to be allowed you know adam scott mentioned it before he'll take the penalty if you want to do it, but if they're not going to, if they're not going to penalize anybody, it's going to happen and it's going to continue. It sucks, but it is what it is. I think the biggest problem with it is the TV coverage. Um, mm-hmm. that the TV coverage was different. Have you? I don't know if you listeners have watched the European Tour event um, on Golf Channel. It's a totally different golfing experience watching it on. I mean, uh, the, 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 the what they do on the Euro Tour is the announcers aren't the star of the show; the golfers are, um, right. and that's the problem with the U.S. coverage. It's like these TV people on CBS, NBC, and Golf Channel. It's like they think that we want to hear the announcers talk. We do not want to hear the announcers talk. We want to hear. We want to see golf shots, and so that's the issue. Instead of showing all this pre-shot routine for these guys in the leading group, every pre-shot routine. I mean, it's ridiculous. Why not show? a couple of other golfers, and then get back to the footage. It's all recorded, too. So if you miss it, you can just go back and press play, you know? Uh, they need to – that's the problem, and that's what's emphasizing the slow play. I mean, honestly, JB is slow, but he never was on the clock. He never got a warning. What made it – and the thing is, on Sunday, it was 30-mile-per-hour winds uh, with, with lightning-fast greens. It's going to be slow. Uh, but the issue is, and why people make such a big deal out of it, is the TV coverage. You know, I mean, most golfers, you don't hear too many golfers complain about it. And that's sort of probably a gentleman's rule. You know, these this is a gentleman's game. They don't want to bitch and complain about other golfers because that's not really what the sport has done throughout its career. But, you know, the problem why the fans are getting antsy about slow play is, is the TV coverage. It's their fault. Show other golfers. Stop showing the damn pre-shot routine. That shit's so annoying. I don't want to hear Nick Fallows talk for three minutes instead of being able to watch five or six different golfers swing a club and shoot. I, I don't want yeah. to hear him talk. Uh, and that's the issue I have. And that's the problem. And that's why slow play has become such an emphasis. If they, if they had footage, if they covered golf like they do on the European tour, 
where they literally don't show almost no prep. They just go from shot to shot to shot to shot. And that's the way it should be on the uh, on the U.S. coverage. I don't understand why they're so drastically different, even though they're on the same channel. You know, they're both on Golf Channel. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a frustrating thing. Let's talk about Kuchar. And, and the cat, do you have anything else to say about the slow play? Or should we no, move on? no, I think, like I said, it's the minor one here where, uh, you know, you and I are pretty much on the same page on that one. The other ones I think we're going to differentiate. Let, let me hear your Kuchar take first because – uh, obviously, some of it does involve tipping, uh, you know, or so to speak, tipping. I know there's a deal's a deal. There's different takes on it. I have my own. I blew it up all over Twitter if you didn't see it. But, um, you know, you're in the service industry, so I understand the tipping side of things. But I still want to hear your overall because you're, you're also a massive golf fan, fanatic, whatever you want to call it. So I want to hear your take on the Kuchar situation first, Kenny. The issue about Kuchar is not about him stiffing the guy. It's an image problem for golf. Um, here's the thing. Golf has always been known as an elitist sport. It's an expensive sport. If we want to get down to the nitty gritty, it's a rich white man sport. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why it's tough for the game of golf to grow. Uh, the, the biggest growth we've seen in golf is when the best player in the world was not white. Uh, you know, that will bring more people in because that sort of stereotype about golf, you know, it's a stereotype. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a stereotype. But like when, when people who are, aren't golf fans talk, uh, you know, and you talk to them about golf, they're like, oh, just a rich man's game. That's still the way people think about the game. And this does nothing to help that image for the PGA Tour, uh, for golf in general, to grow the game, especially in these times of, 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 of the politics going on in the United States right now. You know, uh, the, what, what he said about David Ortiz only making $200 a day $5,000 should be great for him. That was literally the worst thing you could possibly say at that moment in time, uh, especially in this battleground that we live in in the United States with left versus right. It was the worst thing that he could have said. And what the problem with what he did, and, and even and I know Davis Love III said it, this type of agreement usually happens every time people go around, but this was made a big point. This was came out. This one came out. So 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 Kuchar should have bit the bullet. You know, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, a bunch of other golfers before him probably did the same thing that he did. But this this got out into the media, the mainstream media, not just the golf media, the mainstream media. And so that's my issue here. It was bad for the game. It it, it, it would li- it's not good for the growth of the game to keep perpetuating that stereotype. Because we need other people to watch this game. We need more fans to watch this game, to keep the prize pool up on DraftKings, just to enjoy the game, just to be able to have these huge purses and everything like that. They need more people to be fans. And what Kuchar did and what Kuchar said is not going is the worst thing that could have happened if they wanted to grow the game. That's my take on the Kuchar situation. Yeah, he got a raw deal. Yeah. Other golfers have been doing this for a long time. DL th- D- Davis Love III even admitted that on Twitter today. That that's the norm. But it got out. So it sucks. It's life. Life's not fair sometimes. It got out. And so they needed to snip it in the bud. But they didn't. Kuchar didn't. I think the PGA Tour ended up telling him that he had to do what he did. Because, I, they, I they, so. because <laughs> they're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. And that's the issue with the whole Kuchar thing. What do you think? Well, I had a lot of takes on it. I mean, it's not 
to go right against everybody. I think everyone has their own opinion. That's why, you know, this is so fun. You know, the story went on for quite some time. Now everyone's sick of it and happy that it's over. And hopefully it is. I don't know if it will be. We'll see this week. Uh, on a side note, we'll get to DK pricing later. But I think DK made him as low as he is just so people will keep talking about him and keep the name fresh. But uh, what, what my main points were, I guess, were this. The, the deal that was on paper, you know, golf.com had an article on it. Uh, an article on it looked pretty clear cut. It looked pretty standard for what would be suspected to get a local caddy to come out, whether he's good or great or awesome. It doesn't really matter. I agree with that. I agree with that. He, he had a fair deal. And if you're familiar with any background of, you know, online poker, even DFS in general, stake Kings, uh, these sites where you do stuff like that in the DFS industry or the betting industry, uh, poker, whatnot, it, there's a lot of agreements like this made up and they it had a bonus structure to it. So the dude knew when he signed up, his job was essentially to caddy for him, guide him, Tell him about the greens. You know, he works there full time. It was obviously a good spot or a good guy to get if you're going to get a local caddy is to get the guy that actually caddies on the course. So, you know, he had a bonus structure worked out. A thousand bucks is extremely cheap when you win four, when your deal was to pay him four grand for a top 10 and you only chuck him an extra G when you win 1.3 million. I said on Twitter, absolutely, he's cheap as fuck. I get that. But at the same time, the deal was likely that it's definitely probably how it really went down. My biggest problem was the way the internet blows things up and, and the way it turns out. And it's like you said, life's not fair. It sucks for that reason. But the biggest challenge for me was them saying, you know, th- this quote you said, no matter what, you're right. It is going to come across that way. But what I posted was one of the excerpts on there that he said, and, and it was just a note about who is El Tucan, who is David Ortiz. And, you know, the second bullet they said, David Ortiz called El Tucan by Kucher and most everybody else is a full-time caddy at this resort, the Mayakoba. Averaging about six loops a week and 200 bucks a day. I come every day. I hope to get out. So, un- of course, Kucher got taken as saying this poor Mexican makes nothing. He's poor. Five grand's is a hell of a deal. That was the worst but thing he could have said. That was the biggest problem. It, it was. And, and it's because, like you said, of this elitist thing and the rich man and, and the rich white guy, it came across that way no matter what he does. But even in his final, I, I guarantee, like you said, if the PGA made him do it or whatnot, in his line of his public statement, he even said that when he looked back at that statement, he cringed, meaning he absolutely didn't mean it that way. And what he was saying was, dude normally makes 200 bucks a day on this course, getting out looping for dudes. I got him to come out for me, and he ended up making five Gs. That's pretty good week, which technically true, like you said, extremely poor wording, extremely – it's going to get taken to the worst of extremes at that time. So that, that was my challenge is how uh, you know guys at the course – the, the standard random golf fan, which like you said, is the challenge for going the game automatically is just Kucher's cheap, Kucher sucks, whatever. It, they just are going to take it that way. They're not actually going to look into the backstory and where the references came from and anything like that. And, and like exactly the, the last thing I'll say and the one that I posted I was blown away way by is there was no story at all. So actually Alex Cheka had Ortiz on his bag at the very same tournament the year before and got ninth place. And again, we'll probably never find out what Alex Cheka paid him. And maybe it was more. I, I, I believe it could be. Who knows? But all I know is that the difference from like fifth and first was a million dollars. So what happens if Kucher comes in ninth like, or t- like Cheka did the year before? Is this even a story? Or is it because the internet blew it up, Kucher then threw 15K at him, which he denied, holding off. And then in the end, he gets the 50K he wanted. I just think that's a little bit silly when, like I said, there's been so many situations like that that I've been involved in with, you know, get you know whether you're buying into, you know, a stake or something like that. If someone wins the tournament, I can't be like, oh, the deal was I get a thousand bucks, but now give me 10 because, you know, 10x that for me because you won. Yeah. Well, to me, that's 
that's what I got a problem with. I get that. I get that being an issue. I understand. They made a deal. Okay, I I understand that. But when the story came out the way it did, all that shit should have been thrown away. It, it, that shit doesn't matter anymore because this is about the image of the game. And and the yeah, guys the that final, played. The final line that I lo- the final line that I loved that I'll say on it was someone said. Kucher did nothing wrong, but he also did nothing right. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. The deal is the deal. A tip is a tip. It is what it is. What if he came ninth? Then what would the number have been? Because would it still have been 50K? That would have been a lot of Kucher's money. So it wouldn't. So so how do you differentiate? Right. I get it. But like you said, he, he still really didn't do anything right because he did win $1.29 million. The story did go the way it did. He should have nipped it in the butt right away, made it right out of the gate. And it wouldn't have been all this. Exactly. And that's what should have happened. And, and the thing is, the way it happened, it hurt the game. It, it hurt It hurt, It hurt. hurt Kucher's image, first off. And then it, 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 it's not good for the game if they want to grow it. Because they have to get away from this elitist type uh, stereotype that golf has if they really want to grow the fan base. And, the, and what, what happened, you, you're right, the deal was made. It looked like it was an honest deal. But like once the story came out, and it was a big story, it should have been nipped in the bud four weeks ago, whatever at Sony or whatever, when it came out, um, yeah, that, that, that's the way it should have been. He should have just, he should have just bit the bullet, gave him the money. PJ should have went right to him and be like, you cannot do anything or say anything stupid at this point in time in this, you know, landscape, political landscape. Uh, you can't do it. And, and, yeah. and that was a mistake and, and it was bad. And it was bad press for golf. Now, you know, it's bad. Like people who aren't golf fans look at this and they, they scoff. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. It's bad for him too. Like you said, forget all the sponsorships, endorsements, etc. The the PGA looking down. But like like you said, he goes to the event now and some random asshole has had a few beers just immediately, oh, there's Kucher. I heard he's cheap as fuck. Yeah. Hey Kucher, cheap as like it's just it's stupid for everybody because of that. So I am with you on that part hundred percent. All right, so that's enough about the controversies from last week. Good good win by J.B. Holmes, getting his first win in four years. Big moment for him. The card is secure for the next two and a half years, so solid work, you know, can't beat that. And it, it was a good tournament, you know. It was fun. Even though it was rain, the rain, and the weather really fucked it up, that final day was fun to watch because, you know, it was a tough golf course, and it's fun watching these guys it, it out was here a, playing. It was a really tough course. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a totally different course on Sunday. Uh, in the final round, that win was whipping, boy, and, and it, it made it tough. And it was a good win by him. The same thing happened to JT at uh, Waste Management. I mean, that's that final day at Sunday uh, was was probably the worst weather day, windy conditions that you'd ever see in Phoenix. Uh, so they, uh, he just got a little bit of bad break, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal for him. I'll still be on. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. This week. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Before we get into this week and the course and the stats, let's go back to the Listener League. Uh, the Listener League winner was Sean BR85. He has some anime uh, avatar. There, I'm not a big anime guy, but that's his avatar. He started with Bryson DeChambeau, 
who finished in sixth place, fifteenth place, but had a whopping eighty-five point five points with an eagle uh, and nineteen birdies. So you know, a solid week by Bryson, even though he wasn't even in the top ten. Uh, he was a twenty-seven percent owned in the listener league. We had Hideki at eighteen point five percent owned, finished top ten. And again, uh, what's his name? Bryson beat him by twelve points. You know, Bryson beat him by twelve points. Uh, Fleetwood, uh, yeah. Fleetwood minus four. Uh, it was a twenty-eight percent. Luke List at six percent uh, scored eighty-seven points. I actually shifted all my Kevin Nash shares to Luke List because early Thursday morning they said Nah wasn't playing, but he was, which was I thought was weird because it actually came from the PGA Tour Twitter site that he wasn't playing uh, Twitter feed. So that's that was weird. Keegan Bradley. Uh, 51st, he was 20% owned, and he had J.B. Holmes the winner, which was the big thing. He was one of only two, uh, four people uh, in the Listener League to have J.B. Holmes, who, of course, won with a whopping 119 points. And the funny thing is, Justin Thomas, even though he came in second, he only lost to J.B. Holmes by three points in DraftKings. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal, uh, DraftKings-wise. Now, gambling-wise, it was big for me because – I really wanted to hit my first outright, but, but it didn't happen. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, what do you think of the lineup? No, I think the lineup's good, man. I think uh, the key is, like you said, you got to have that winner and 2% on JB Holmes. That'll get it done. Um, you know, with the JT reference, like you said, that's huge for something like this week when we'll get into it. But in here, it just changes your lineup construction completely because, you know, starting with JB Holmes or fitting him in versus the other, having them both would have been awesome. But like you see, 2% JB Holmes, obviously not very likely. So, um, you know, the rest of it looked pretty good. I thought so. Luke List, solid pick there. You know, he's streaky guy as it shows two, two birdie, uh, so two, three in a row streaks. So, um, you know, good to have him in there at 6%. And then it's again, back to the, the similar construction points that I talked about two guys over 20, one guy, you have Keegan right on 20. Now he won by 24 points here. If he had had that, you know, if he had have avoided the Keegan meltdown, which is what cost me this week, big time, uh, you know, him and others, but these meltdowns that some of these guys had were just incredible. So, uh, you know, he could have been way out, out there on top. He, Hideki's look good. We'll talk about him. Fleetwood's look good. We'll talk about him. And I love Bryson last week. So overall, solid lineup. All right. So let's uh, before we get into the how do how I'll talk about how I did last night last week. Uh, my cash game cornerstones all made it, but it was like forty percent, nearly forty percent got six to six through in cash. Uh, was able to cash. It was funny because uh, the lineup I had was literally duped by like 80 million people. At one point in time during round three, my cash lineup was like 10% in the green and it still wasn't doubling up because so many other people had that lineup. But it ended up working out. Uh, the shitty thing is it, it, it was one of those weeks where I won in cash, but I still lost overall. That's pretty rare. Uh, it's happened actually a couple times this year, which is sort of strange. Uh, it only happened like two or three times last year. But uh, you know, I won in cash. And then in GPPs, I did really poorly. The issue I had was I had JT as my highest stone. I had Rory as my second highest stone. But then I only had three other guys in the top 15. So that that was my issue. Uh, that was my problem. So I lost like 16 bucks. Uh, I put in $507 last week in entry fees. Uh, I got back 491 bucks. So, so a yeah, losing week, but again, little losses, uh, little gains. And then, you know, weeks like last week where you double, triple, quadruple your money, you know, those are the weeks that, you you know, you make your profit. And that's basically my strategy. That's why I play conservative. That's why I play so much cash. Uh, so that's how it goes. Uh, how did you do last week? 
uh, GPP life, let's say that. But it, I mean, it was insane. On, on Saturday, in going two and a half rounds in, I was winning five figures plus profit. And somehow, I think a lot of people had this happen. Uh, you know, some guys that I talked to with the meltdowns of guys like Bradley and Hadwin and, you know, JT not getting it. I mean, he still scored points. But again, in those lineups, it typically had the other guys that brought it down. So him just dropping out of first was the additional 10 points. It was quite a dip on Sunday. Uh, ended up coming out a losing week, actually. But overall, thought the pool was solid. You know, really good thought process going in. Didn't uh, didn't pan out in the end. But this is typically how my my big ones have gone, where you know I'll I'll get I'll get really close, and it really gets that close where it starts showing it and getting there. And then the next week I'll have a big win or something, or in the next couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to these next couple weeks. This one's a bit more challenging with it being a non-cut. Pricing's okay on DK this week, but uh, there's definitely some spots I think we can exploit. Definitely. All right, let's move on to this week. Uh, the top golfers in the world head south of the border as they tackle the club. Club, they golfed Chapultepec in Mexico City for the WGC Mexico Championship. This is only the third time the PGA Tour has played here. So, of course, history is uh, you know only a small factor this week, but there is some chatter online. Uh, the Riviera, Torrey Pines, Firestone, uh, Doha, which plays the Joburg Open on the European Tour, and Cran Sur Sierra Golf Course, which plays the Omega European Masters, are correlated courses. Now, if you're a course history buff, you may want to take a peek at the leaderboards from those courses the last few years, including the leaderboard from this tournament the last few years. Uh, the leaderboard two years ago was filled with bombers, even though a lot of golfers took less than drivers off the tee. Last year, there were more shorter hitters near the top of the leaderboard, but lengthy hitters should still have a slight advantage here simply for the fact that they're longer off the tee, even with less than driver in hand. And with shorter clubs off the tee, the bombers could hit more fairways with a distance advantage, leading to a lot of short irons onto these greens. Now, I wouldn't discount shorter hitters who are ball-striking machines, though. The course also seemed like a risk-reward type course as there were a ton of eagles but also a ton of double bogeys. Um, you can also see the risk-reward nature of the course by looking at the final scores. Two years ago, DJ won a minus 14 with 22 birdies or better. But if you shot even par for the week, you were still inside the top 50 uh, of finishers that year. If you shot minus one last year, you were right around that top half again. Uh, the tournament is a 70 or so man. There are so many people in and out. I'm not exactly sure about the number, but it's around 70 people. Uh, so it's, a, it's no cut event, and every golfer will play four rounds unless they withdraw. With no, you know, with light course history, no cut, and an influx of golfers that don't play too many PGA Tour events, this could be a week where you use less of your bankroll. But for me, you know, I'm a de degenerate. I'm going to be playing my usual amount. Uh, just a couple of trends um, here from this course here, the last three, the last, uh, throughout his career, no matter the venue. So I know some people are like, well, the courses have changed. No matter the venue, these trends have been uh, a part of this, this, this tournament. So big dogs, they always eat at this event, you know, no matter the venue. 18 of 19 winners here have a major win either before or after their WGC win. 17 of 19 winners have been top three in the world golf rankings at some point in their career. All 19 winners have been inside have been inside the top 10 in the world golf, inside the top seven uh, world golf rankings at some point in their career. Seven of the last 10 winners had a win or runner-up in at least one event during the West Coast swing prior to their win. Seven of the last top 10, seven of the last 10 winners had a top six or better uh, the event before their win. Now, playing well at Riviera 
has been a prerequisite to winning this WGC event, no matter the venue. Seven of the last 10 winners played Riviera prior to their win. Here's their finishes. Sixth, first, second, second, 13th, 10th, first. Now, since the tournament moved to Mexico two years ago, four golfers have top 10 both years. Phil, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and Terrell Hatton. Three more golfers have top 15s both years. Jordan Spieth, Sergio Garcia, and Tommy Fleetwood. All right, so let's get to the course. The Club de Golf Chapultepec is a 7,300-yard par 71 with four par threes and three par fives. The par fives um, are fairly lengthy, with two of them being well over 600 yards. There's also a lot of short par fours on this course, as six of them are under 420 yards. Now, this course sits at over 7,000 feet above sea level, so it will play much shorter than the yardage suggests. Excuse me. If you take the altitude into account, this course is well under 7,000 yards long. Most experts have said the course plays closer to 6,700 yards. Uh, but that number will be different for every golfer based on how high they hit the ball. Uh, in this type of altitude, the higher you hit the ball, the shorter the course is. If you hit a low ball, the altitude will affect the ball's distance less. Now, I'm not saying that the ball flight will take or add hundreds of yards to the course, but it will lead to a lot of work and math being done by the caddies and the golfers. Off the tee, golfers will see average to below average size fairways that are heavily tree-lined and guarded by fairway bunkers. Visually off the tee, golfers will probably think the fairways are narrower than they actually are because of the heavy tree presence on both sides of almost every fairway. Now, I don't have information on the length of the Kikuyu Rough, but looking back the last couple of years, the rough wasn't too much of a factor. Now, it's possible that it changes, uh, but I haven't heard anything at the time of writing this. Um, now, if the rough is up, it still wouldn't present too much of a problem because the course is so short and the golfers have a bunch of short irons in their hands on approaches, but it would stop balls from reaching the tree line. Now, the rough, now if the rough is short, which I think it will be, there, then there will be more bounce and roll when golf balls land on the rough, and a bad bounce could lead to a golfer being behind a whole slew of trees, which, of course, will make it more difficult to find the green. Um, now, on approach shots, golfers see greens with an average length of 27 yards from front to back and much less than that in width. There is a good amount of slope and undulation on these greens, and greenside bunkers will be in play. The majority of greens slope from back to front, so keeping it under the hole on approach shots will be key, especially if the greens are fast. Uh, last year, they ran around 11.5. Uh, again, it could change. I haven't heard anything about it, but I think it should still be around 11.5 on the stint. Uh, two of the smallest greens on the course are on the par 5 6th hole and the par 5 15th hole, which will make going for the green and two a bit tougher on these holes. The greens use a blend of poa and bent grass and are, you know, slightly firm. They're not crazy. You're not going to see, you know, huge bounces. And and, and uh, let's get into the stats. Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Some of the main ones, Kenny, I'm looking at are, so strokes gained approach, definitely important here still. Um, you know, People want to look at fairways and whatnot, I get that, but the thing about being able to club down for some of these guys is that there should be more fairways hit already just based off of club selection. So um, really focusing in on approach, it's a, non, it's a non-cut event. So you know everything to do with scoring, birdies are better, DK points, par five scoring, th- things that are going to be where they can gain those points for us. That That's the main focus there. And then a little bit with scrambling. Uh, just because smaller greens, so you know if they don't quite get it where they need to, just be able to get it up and down and, and make sure bogey avoidance sort of looks at it in a different way. 
Uh, and then proximity, 75 to 100. Uh, with that elevation change and the whole yardages and whatnot, you know, you look at the previews, brings down the the overall with the elevation. So um, shorter shots in uh, for these guys. And that, to me, is going to be important as well. How about you? Yeah, uh, definitely looking for most of those. Um, a couple of things. I think like a third of all the holes are between 350 and 450 yards. So I'll be looking at par four efficiency from 350 to 400, 400 to 450. Um, also, a couple of things, like you said, the short irons definitely going to be in play. Wedge game is going to be important. Also, longer irons, 200 plus. You got two par threes that are over 200 yards, and you got those three par threes that everyone's uh, par fives that you know most people are going to try and reach in two, uh, especially with the altitude. Uh, most people can. So, you know, there's going to be 200-yard approaches to the greens with that as well. But, again, you know, you got to think about the altitude and stuff, so it makes it a little bit tricky. Uh, but I'll be looking at those things as well. So, basically, I'm down with what you said. So, let's get on to the actual field this week. Let's take a look at the golfers up top in the 10K range. I think this week there are six golfers in the 10K range. They go from Bryson DeChambeau all the way to Justin Thomas. Uh, Campbell, who you got? Different different strategy this week. Uh, you know, it's going to, I don't know, it's going to be tough to say what people do because I think the, the balance lineups look pretty good. But at the same time, I'm hearing a lot of chatter early on about a lot of these names that we'll get to later on in the 6K range. Everyone wanting to get different that way so that they can fit the JTs, the DJs, the Rory's. Uh, up top, I mean, you, I'm definitely with you. You got to like Thomas on the follow-up. Uh, I think he'll be fine. But uh, for me, I actually really like Rom the most out of anybody. And, uh, you know, T3PO's this week, it's a little bit tougher, but I'll go through them in a different way. But the very first one of the week is going to be Rom versus the big three, if that's what you want to call him at the top. So um, I'm going to play more lineups starting with Rom than I am with Thomas, DJ, or McElroy. Uh, just I get what's going on with the, all of them have their own good positives. There's barely anything poor that you can say about any of them. But at the same time, Rom, I think it's three months straight with top tens, his last five anyway for ninth, tenth, fifth, sixth, and eighth. Um, not as good here last year, but he wasn't sort of on that same form run. run sorry, And uh, all his stats for me, yeah, I mean, again, all the guys at the top, the st- stats line up. But as far as birdies are better gained and DK points, uh, he's in the last 36. He's fourth in birdies are better, second in DK points. And it's basically equivalent to Thomas, third and fifth. Even though Thomas supersedes him in certain areas, uh, I do still think about it. And like you said, how how does Thomas bounce back from that? I was waiting for hashtag Kenny after dark to come up with a stat of all JT's runner up finishes and then see how he bounces back the week after. I didn't see that one yet. You know, he he doesn't have very many runner up finishes. I, I actually looked. Okay. For- uh, I think he doesn't have many second places in his career. He has a bunch of thirds, a bunch of wins, not many seconds. Yeah, you talked about it earlier too. It's almost like he should have two wins. Like if he had done anything against Ricky that Sunday, it would have been in Ricky's head probably and wins there. And then obviously he couldn't have played worse and and he still just got edged by JB and missed some silly putts on Sunday. So got to like JT, uh, got to like Rom. And then I'm going back to the well with Bryson. I'm going to skip my boy Ricky and go to Bryson. 10K seems too cheap. Um, another guy just below him we'll get to. But, yeah, Bryson sets up across the board. He's been on fire. Uh, the one thing about Rom I talked about on last week's pod is, remember I said he looks for courses that he can sort of overpower? And this is one by far with the elevation, all the factors that run through it. I, I think this is a course that he can overpower and feel pretty good about it. So I, I'm feeling strongest about Rom in the top. How about yourself? 
Uh, I, I got to go with my boy JT once again. Uh, just these back-to-back finishes. I think he's going to close it out one of these times. couple of top fives here uh, in Mexico throughout his – in the last two years. So, he, you know he likes the course. It's just the numbers are too good. He's playing too well. He's just had a little bit of a lapse on Sunday, which is not his normal thing. Um, you know, he's usually a Sunday warrior. Uh, and we've seen the last two weeks in bad conditions. That's the key. Um, you know, in poor conditions on Sunday, he faltered. We're not going to have those poor conditions this week. It's going to be beautiful in Mexico uh, for all four days. So it's the weather's going to be nice. I don't hear any things of rain. I don't think the wind's going to be up that much. But, you know, it's the weather, so that could change. Uh, so I'm going back to the well with JT. My first cash game cornerstone pick is actually going to be up here. It's going to be Bryson DeChambeau uh, at $10,000. The man has just been a birdie king. Uh, he's just literally been crushing. Uh, you're making so many birdies. Number one in opportunities gained. Number one in birdies a better gain in this field in the last 50 rounds. I think something like in his last uh, 11 events, he's, he's birdied or better like 32% of his holes. That's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. Um, so – you know, and this is again no cut event. Birdie scoring is going to be more important, like you saw with Bryson last week, finished in fifteenth place, but was top ten in in, in DraftKings scoring. And he can do that again this week on this course. I know it's his first time playing, but it's not like this is like a really difficult course that you have to strategize with. You know, the big thing about it is is going to be the altitude and trying to figure out the math. And you would think. Bryson would have an advantage there yeah. with with all it with his science nature and you know his philosophy about the game. So uh, Bryson's going to be my first cash game cornerstone pick this week. The guy, the four guys in the middle, I am having a really hard time picking between. Actually, I'm not going. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Play Flowler because, uh, you know, he sort of struggles on POA and he hasn't really had any big finishes in POA ever. Uh, maybe a couple in his past, but it's been rare. So I'm going to play D- one of DJ Rory and Rom. And you might have talked me in the wrong, so so that might be that might be my third play up in this range. All right, so let's move down to this nine k range. I got another cash game cornerstone here. My cash strategy definitely a lot different this week compared to last week, where it was as about balanced as you can get. Um, the, the my highest price golfer last week is Patrick Cantley at nine thousand dollars. I had all my golfers above seventy seven hundred bucks, all five of them, and it worked out. Uh, sort of, you know, Hadwin, I don't know what the fuck happened to him uh, the last couple of days. He was like, fuck it, I don't want to play no more. And, and he, you know, he, no, and, and he didn't want to come here either because uh, he was next up on the alternate list and Otegi got in yeah. instead. So I don't know if he got maybe a, 
uh, you know, all those delays and whatnot, maybe kink something up in the middle for him or whatnot. But he he definitely disappeared completely, went off the rails. Um, not quite as bad as the guy at 8,800 we're about to get to, though. But, uh, yeah, continue <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Continue on. All right. But so, so again, so, 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 Ty, my, my cash game, second cash game cornerstone pick is going to be Tiger Woods at $9,500. Uh, again, a shit ton of birdies last week. The game looks like it's there. He's been driving the ball a little bit better. Uh, the big th- problem he had was the what? He hit in like four three putts in, in yeah. one in one day. After that, his putting was pretty decent. Not bad at all. Uh, again, iron play has always been his strength. It will continue to be his strength. Uh, he should dominate this course, even though it's the first time he played. If you look back last year, he played three different courses for the first time ever uh, last year when he was getting back into, I forget what courses they were, but he finished second, fourth, and second in those three events. Uh, and that was the first time he played. So I am not worried about this being Tiger's first time. So uh, a Tiger, you know, again, he's going to be my second pick. Other guys, you know, this range is sort of small, but I am going to play Xander. Uh, no cut event, deep field. This is a Xander special. This is a Xander special. Yeah. You know, I think three of his four wins have come in um, uh, no cut events, you know, with pretty strong fields. And this fits that narrative. And so I'll play Xander as well this week. Who you like? Yeah, so uh, for me, one guy I like right out of the gate is Brooks Kepka. I mentioned when I talked about Bryson. I think same same thing you just talked about with Xander. I mean, this range for me is actually pretty easy. Uh, it's the younger guys versus the older guys. Woods, Mickelson, you know, two events. Woods is hard because, you know, you got to love it. And, and seeing that comeback there last week, he even said himself, he's gassed up. Like it was just too much. Faded on the back nine, heavy from about, uh, you know, I think it was hole nine and on. So the last 10 holes, uh, I think it was something like five over or whatnot. So uh, Kepka, I love. Young Gunner, disrespected again here with this price, 9,800. Solid for me, last 36 rounds. He's seven thirties or better, seven DK points, second opportunities, 10th scrambling, good on the par fives. I think this, of course, he can eat up, club down. He's already pretty accurate. We've seen him scramble at times, uh, very solid, and and make putts. So. Uh, I'm happy with Brooks Kepka here at 9,800. Mickelson, like I said, I'm going to overlook here. I don't care about the win last year. I think with the late finish at Pebble going into this week that he just played and and now coming across here to Mexico altitude. I don't know. These guys are, are a little bit uh, tough to pick from. Xander, you already talked about. I do like him. Uh, but my other guy that I love here is right at nine on the dot is Hideki. Um, I see people betting him today. I know he's going to get talked up, but this is one of those chalk plays if it's going to be chalk. I think the guy right under him, Tony Finau, we'll get to in a second, will eat up some of this ownership or at least even them out a little bit. Uh, but I really like Hideki, man. Uh, he's looked really good lately. He's bouncing back. I think, again, he's a touch underpriced for what we've seen from him lately. All the stats line up across the board. Um, you know, Other than that, not too many guys in this range to talk about, but Woods and Mickelson would be the guys that I'm lightest on. All right. So we're definitely different on that range. Let's move down to this. 8K range. I'm going to go with my third cash game cornerstone pick, and we just talked about him, Mr. Tony Finau, at 8,900. Once again, I'm going very, very top heavy uh, this week. So uh, there will be a 6K golfer in my cash game cornerstone this week for you guys because I have so many top end, top price guys. So Finau, again, birdie machine. Uh, no cut event. He's going to make a ton of birdies. He's always been good at different uh, par three range, at par four ranges, like 400, 450 yards. He's second in the field. Uh, one big thing that I noticed about Tony uh, is there's a lot of three putts here. 
Uh, more three putts here than the average tour event. I think the average tour event has around, I think this is a Josh Culp special. Uh, if you don't follow him, it's at Future Fantasy. Really good info that he puts out every week. Um, he said that three the tour average is right around 3% uh, three putts. Uh, in, in an average PGA event. This one's at 4%, a little bit more, a little bit higher three-putt avoid, three-putts here. And Finau is actually fourth in three-putts avo- three avoidance in the last 50 rounds. Uh, again, scoring machine, birdie machine, no-cut event. That's what you're looking for. So I got Finau here. Um, we'll, we'll skip Spieth. We'll talk about him in a second. I, do I was like wondering, why, why, why wouldn't you take Spieth? When you could, why would you take Finau when you could have Spieth like last week? Look, 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 I said I was going to play Spieth, and, and and the thing is, he looked good for three rounds. We'll go ahead and talk about it now, then. He looked good okay. for three rounds. And so what What my point last week was he has improved. He's played better for more for more time each and every time the last three weeks. So, like, two weeks ago, or the, the Farmers, he played, like, one good round, and then it was sort of meh the rest of the time, really not that great. Uh, to, uh, what, a couple weeks ago when he played uh, AT&T, he had like two and a half good rounds, and then he just faltered again. Now, this past week, he only had nine bad holes. Now, those nine bad holes, he went like 10 over <laughs> on those nine yeah. bad holes, which, which fucking destroyed it. Uh, but he's slowly getting better. He's slowly improving. He's going to – he's gearing up and getting ready to play Augusta. He's going to do well there. I can almost guarantee that. Uh, now, playing him this week, maybe. I, I'm not 100% sure no. yet. If he's going to be 5% owned like last week again, oh, I, I'll take the risk to see if he can improve again and get more rounds and more, uh, you know, better for longer times in an event, you know. so And the thing is, he has good history here, a couple of top 15s here. It's not like he sucks at this event. So, you know, I think he's going to be 5 6% owned again probably one of the lowest owned golfers, $8,500 and up. I would say maybe the lowest owned golfer, $8,500 and up. Uh, Rightfully so. so. Yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Here, here's my thing. I'm, I'm not to cut you off. You, I hear what you're saying. but And I'm not even a speed hater. I, I mean, I, like last week, it, to me, it's always about DFS and making money. And last week, like I said, so you got Finau right there. Why would we ever take speed? And it turned out to work out. I get it. He had a hot start. But my, my thing on the take of that, like, so the last four, you know, times out for him, he's got progressively worse every round, even though you're saying he played better each week per for how much time versus not. So first off, he got 66, 68, 71, 72, 65, 72, 72, 72. Then he had a wicked one, 66, 68. You're like right on. But then a 74 and a 75 is two worst scores. And then he goes 64, which everyone's, you know, running around with their victory laps on Thursday, followed up with a 70, a 70, and then an 81 with some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in the course. I, I swear, I don't even think when I go up my buddies and we all suck at golf, you don't see four putts too often. And I know these are greens that are way another extreme. I get that. But these are also pros that are another extreme. So for for some of that, it's all relative. My, my thing about gearing up for Augusta is you can't have Sundays or weekends. Also, his weekends... His Sundays have got worse. The last four, 72, 72, 75, 81 are his Sundays. And if you look at someone like Rory is gearing up for Augusta, he's going to get his jacket this year. I got a feeling, you know, seeing how he's playing, it looks more like him with all these top fives is getting into form. Jordan's got something wrong in his head. We know he can win. We know he's won before. 
He showed signs on these Thursdays. I, I think it's a, you get into the first round leader bets yet, Kenny? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hit Brian Gay for the first time, like last week or a couple weeks ago, but I don't do it that often. That's where I think you need to get speed, and then that's where you can do whatever because that's going to be awesome on, on Thursdays. He's been incredible. I do see what you're saying with lower ownership, but again, his price isn't right. I know it seems silly, but if if he was priced like 8200 then I would understand that angle. But again, with Finau, Leishman, Casey, all these guys are about to get into right there that don't seem to have the mental challenges that Spieth is having right now to me. Uh, as far as DFS goes, I don't really care that he's 5% owned because it didn't pan out last week either when I had all my shares of him on Fino. Now, here's the thing. Like, you know, this is this is something that Brad used to say all the time. You got to try and jump on a guy before everyone else does. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's sort of my thinking when it comes to Spieth. Because, like I said, the improvements there, the, it's just been, uh, you know, uh, last week was just nine holes where he played like that's, literally like yeah. me. He played like me. And so, you know, and so, yeah, so you want to get, you want to jump on somebody before, and that's how you win the big money in DFS, you know? And sure, so, it's, a, it's a risky proposition, but what I'll say about that is that, you know, you, people that have been doing that for the last 10 weeks with this guy, oh, I it's haven't. never paid off. Oh, I have No, you, you haven't. No, I'm not coming at you. I'm coming at yeah, everybody yeah. that's talking about it. There's no one in particular I'm coming at. I'm coming at people that are just saying, you know, the, the ownership thing, the look better thing. There's He's getting more attention than anybody on Twitter right now because of the Sunday yesterday. But it's not a speed hater thing. It's I'm talking from a DFS perspective, but hopefully people are listening to this pod are looking to make money, do well in DFS. And when you've got Fina right there, and that's why he's your cornerstone this week, which I'm happy to hear that you've come around on because oh, I no, get look, it. You got to be a week I early. Told you, I told you last week that I had more Finau than Spieth, and I did. I had like 25% okay. Finau last week. I had like 13% Spieth. So, you know, that, that's the way I went. You know, I, yeah. I wasn't going to go all out, but I want a taste just in case, especially if I'm going to be double the ownership at 10%, 12%. Yeah. The risk the risk is less. You know, it sure. could blow up, but if you're making 100 lineups, you know, I think it could be now if, you, if you're single entry and if you're only making like five to 10 lineups, then yeah, probably a fade is the way to go. Um, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, like that's what I'm trying to say. 20 max or less, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you have 20 max, maybe one speed because you want to feel like you're not left out. But yeah. uh, to me, I'm going to have zero on more than that many lineups. That's just me. But yeah. I think the crazy the crazy move would be a week like this or something where it's a no cut to go all in on oh, no, him at a 20 no, max no, and, no, and then no, just take no. the risk that way. No, I'm saying no, if you're going to no. do be the guy that tries to get out ahead, I'm, I'm having 0%, so I don't care. I'm saying the I, guys that are talking like I, I want to get I, up I, a week early. Taking 10% speed ain't going to do nothing for you a week early, even if he hits. It may or may not come true for you. I don't know. Because he's only at 10% if, of your lineups. If, he, if, if he's 6% owned and you have 15% of him, you're more than double the field. That's a pretty good That's a pretty good. No, it doesn't mean you win a GPP. Doesn't, it doesn't I mean, mean you win. Take, it, it, of, course it, of course it doesn't mean that. But it could mean if, if he hits, you would have a better chance than the other people who didn't roster him. And that's basically what DFS is. You yeah, know my argument saying? is take take a stand on the guy or don't. Don't come in with his pussyfoot and t- I'll take 15 because he's six. On him or not, do it or don't. Let's go. No, but that's not DFS. That's not the way I do DFS, at least. No, that's no, not the I, way I, know I play the game. Yeah, and you're also primarily a cash game player, which you do extremely no, well. Play, one of the I, best in the business. I play, I play more GPPs than cash. Like but 40% of my bankroll is cash, but now it's just one lineup. Okay, hey, let's you know, so ROI lifetime. ROI lifetime is is cash game perspective. So I'm not I'm not coming at you. You're my boy. I'm saying that at, at the uh, same time, anyone who's playing that if you're going to be the guy that says I want to get on him early and make it happen, 
then do it at an event like this where you know he's getting four shots at it. He's been playing well, like you said, for first rounds. What if he continues it for four rounds and runs out four 66s or something? Then, then you'd have a really good chance of doing something crazy and taking something down. And what, even if he only comes out mediocre, you might not be dead because he's getting four rounds no matter what. That was my argument or perspective of coming coming at you, going all in on him this week. And that just depends on your type of play. How do you play DFS? Like, I'm mm-hmm. conservative, but I still want an edge. Uh, you know, so I want to be overweight on the majority of the golfers I use. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm not going to be crazy and go 30, 40% speed because, you know, I don't have that much faith in him. But if I can get a little bit of an edge by rostering him when he's 4 or 5% owned and I see some improvement in his game and I can get 10 to 12, 15% low risk, you know, and, and I'm not even saying it's a high reward because we don't even know if he can do what he's done. But the, the, that that it, it's there for speed. It's there. Now, will it happen? Who knows? You know, you're right. There's something wrong. He might not be all the way there mentally, but the game is coming around. And, I, I and I, you know, I'll probably have 10% of them again this week, maybe 12% of them again this week, just, just, to, just to throw it out there for me. But let's move on. We talked about speed for a okay. time. Let's go on for the rest of this thing. I like Patrick Cantlay at $8,500 as well. Uh, you know, he's been in like a top 15, top 10 machine. $8,500 seems cheap for him. Top 10 in approach, top 10 in strokes gain T to green in this field the last 50 rounds. I think it's even better if you look at his last 12 rounds. Um, he's fourth in strokes gain approach, third in strokes gain T to green here um you know so i do like him he's been playing um he's been hitting his wedges really well especially his shorter wedges really nicely um and he's been good from uh, 350 to 400 yards decent for 400 to 450 so i do like cantley as well who do you like in this range that's actually my second t3po is gonna be uh not fading cantley i still like him but but one of the guys that i like a little bit more is right under not right underneath but just just down from there webb simpson um Underrated, I think, you know, all last year he did very well. We've talked about this a few times on the pod, a few times on the pod regards to, you know, majors, winning the players. Uh, all the all the stats for me, they're very similar to Patrick Cantlay, but the one that stands out to me is his scrambling. And, and that's what, you know, always worries everybody with Cantlay, especially if he's going to garner a little bit of ownership. Uh, you know, I'd say take Simpson for sure over Watson, but I don't think people are really going to own Watson. So to go a little bit more out on the edge, that's why I'm going to do it up against Cantlay. Uh, I'll have more web than Cantlay and Cantlay might be uh, in lineup sort of that, you know, whether I do a correlated lineup or something along those lines where it might be a balanced lineup where I use both him and Webb. But if I just had to pick one, it's going to be Webb Simpson across the board, not quite as good an approach for what I got, but in everything else, he's right there with them. Uh, and the really, the one spot that he beats them uh, is in scrambling. So I do like him. Other guys we didn't talk about yet. Love Finau always do. Uh, Casey. Really, uh, you know, had everything together last week, just like everybody else. He just and he's one that's always a challenge watching him. But there were some guys missed some really short putts, and he was one of them. So it was List, it was Scott, it was you know everybody. But but Casey was another guy that had it all together. I believe he led the field in strokes gained tee to green last week for the event. Uh, came twelfth here last year, sixteenth the year before. Stats across the board, really like him as well. Uh, and then Fleetwood. Fleetwood is the other guy I like here, eighty two hundred. I think it's a little bit too cheap. Another guy that's got T to green game. He's been sort of messing around. I, I would say Molinari would be a really good GPP pick who's going to be extremely low owned, but it almost feels like sort of a, a coming out in a sense of just getting to get back into the swing of things for Molinari where we've seen Fleetwood get into a little bit of form here. So I like him a lot better at 8,200. 
Uh, and I'm not sure if you mentioned him just now, but I know you mentioned him earlier was with Garcia. Um, I still kind of like Garcia here too. At just 8,000 to round out that range. I like a lot of guys in this range overall. Yeah. I, I, I forgot to mention Garcia. Sergio is probably my favorite play in this range. Uh, actually probably other than Finau. Uh, just so many birdies last week. I think he was seventh in birdies or better last week. Again, uh, you know, that's what you're looking for in an event like this. He's had a couple of top 15s here. Uh, so I do like Sergio a lot. Uh, Molinari worries me just a little bit. Uh, he missed last week because of the flu is what he said. Uh, so, you know, having a flu, your body can get tired. Uh, being in altitude makes it harder uh, to, you know, go around. He could get tired easily. Uh, that's just a narrative talk right there. So I probably won't play Molinari, and I do like Fleetwood a lot. I'll roster Fleetwood every week now because I think he's going to win at some point in time here soon. So Fleetwood's going to be on my uh, roster every single week, probably for the rest of the year <laughs> until he wins. Yeah. So let's <laughs> move on to the 7K range. Go ahead there, Campbell. Yeah, I think the probably the chalk of the week. Oh, well, there's a few guys. The range is, is large, but I guess at the top anyway, uh, a couple guys that are going to be extremely chalk heavy. And, and I actually like them both, but I got my third T3PO here. So um, first up, guys, guys I like. So Gary Woodland out of the gate, I think chalk or not, he's going to be chalk for sure. But I'm going to play him at 7,900. Uh, you and I have talked about him plenty on the pod for for big spots this year. Much different golfer, you know, been through it all, back around. Uh, he ranks really highly for me across the board uh, as far as stats. But for birdies are better and uh, DK points, he's second in birdies are better and first in the last 36 rounds. Um, to me, at 7,900, he's just completely underpriced. Uh, so Woodland would be the top guy there. Uh, his finish is most recently seventh, ninth, uh, and then a second, two previous to that. So th- three top tens in his last four, four top tens in his last five, actually. Didn't show up here last year uh, or the year before. But like you said, you and I have said, we've argued he's a much different golfer here. So uh, the next one, so my my T3PO, my third one, and I, I don't know um, how high-owned he's going to be, but Hal has just been incredible right now. So I think with like cash lineups and stuff, people might s- sort of try and fit him in there and put him in even lineups with Woodland. But I really like RCB here. Uh, and I know he'll get a little chatter too because he's been out there recently. Uh, but when you look at the models and all that sort of stuff, he he's not popping as high for me. Uh, as some of the other guys in here with the even like a guy like Horschel or a guy I'll mention a second with Kucher they're they're all popping up there and then Hal's just been on fire I really like RCB uh, main reason is just you know from what we've seen lately he's looked pretty good and then those correlation courses you mentioned earlier if you look at some of those ones overseas uh, he's popped up on quite a few of them and then he's got the third place here last year the only thing that worries me about if he gets ownership is because the third place here from last year sometimes like when we get to Hatton at the bottom that makes people just automatically jump in regardless of what's happened. But I'm going to take RCB over Hal. Uh, I'm not really going to have any Hal. I, I know it's still, you know, technically the West Coast time of year and they're going to Mexico, but at the same time, uh, it's not the same as the events. Uh, it's still first time here. So I'm not going to go with Hal this week. Kucher, I, I sort of want to hear your take on him. I think he's extremely underpriced at 7,700, um, but you didn't mention him for a cash game cornerstone. What do you think about Kucher here this week? I think I'm going to play him. Uh, you know, I, the, he's been playing extremely well, even though last week he didn't really finish that highly. He still did okay. Uh, what did he finish at? Minus four, I think, or something like that around there. Uh, finished like top 30, yeah. top 40, if I'm not wrong. Top, yeah, T- T28. Yeah, top 28. 
Uh, he's been playing well. I got no problem with Kucher. I don't know how, how much I'll have of him. We'll see. He wasn't like one of my main picks uh, this week in this range. I do like RCB a lot. I do like Woodland a lot. I'll play a little bit of Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, if there is a correlation between here and Cran Sierra, uh, Omega Masters, you know, Fitzpatrick has won the last two events there. Uh, massive elevation, similar type course. Uh, so uh, I'll play a little bit of Fitzpatrick. I do like Ian Poulter as well. We did miss him up top. Uh, he's coming in with really, really strong form. A bunch of top sixes, top fives, top tens here, rec- uh, you know, recently in his form um he's been playing really good i think him being good with uh you know the the 400 to 450 yard par fours he's good with his you know shorter wedges from 100 to 125 yards good around the green which should be able to help uh i'm going to go how tong lee at 7400 again another form play the guy's just been you know right around uh the top of the leaderboard for you know a bunch of tournaments here recently uh cam at seventy four hundred, you got to play Cam at that cheap of a price, yeah. and, and and a bet at sixty six to one. That was an auto bet that I saw with Cameron Smith because the talent is there. The price is too cheap. Um, if you're going down just a little bit below, I know we're running short on time, but uh, Terrell Hatton, you know, I'll play him. Uh, he, he's had moments this year. Um, he hasn't been playing the best, but again, that history is there. Um, and you know, he, uh, there was I, I, there was some stat. I'll try and remember it here soon about him, but I do like Hatton. Um, that's eh, probably about it. Any other guys that you miss in this range? Uh, just I like the Fitzpatrick call you had there. I'd probably be on him a little. Um, I do like Kucher that I talked about, so I will go on him. How Tong for the uh, the recent form and Cam. I like Hatton a lot. I think he he obviously fits well here. I know he's going to be popular, but I'm still going to stick with that. He's he's been good. So and he's been good here. Uh, not as good lately, but but overall here he's been solid. I think the course sets up better for him. And then the other guy I like here is uh, Henrik Stenson. Um, again, it's yeah. is weird because he's he's missed a whole bunch of cuts recently. He hasn't been playing that much, but seventy two hundred seems crazy. That's for Henrik crazy, Stenson, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a crazy, crazy, crazy price. It's <laughs> very Henrik low Stenson. price for Stenson. So I, I th- I, yeah. So I think I might have to play him just because I mean that's, that's seventy two hundred. Uh, when was the last time we saw Henrik Stenson at seventy two hundred dollars? Not for a very maybe like, never. super like I've, it's like a major it, like two years ago or something. I think it was, and it's just it, crazy price. He but in the last thirty six rounds for him, he's got you know fourth in approach, seventeenth opportunities gained. You know he's just not popping in the birdies or better at DK points. That scares me a little. But at seventy two hundred with for guaranteed rounds, it's Henrik Stenson. If he gets hot, I mean he can literally win the tournament. So at he doesn't I mean, that, need to that three wood right yeah. down that three wood right down the middle should be money. Yeah. You would if, think if he's eighty eight hundred right? or something, you know, I got a problem. But at seventy two hundred, I mean, this guy can come fifteenth and do fine for me. So I like him at seventy two hundred. Going down from there, you know, who do you got anyway under seven k? Is there anybody else at seven that you like? Otherwise, I'm going low. No, nobody at seven. But I'll go my final cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be sixty nine hundred dollars. Emiliano Grillo. Uh, the thing about Grillo, the guy. There's going to be a time when he can learn how to putt. There, there has to be a time <laughs> yeah. when he learns how to putt because his iron game is ridiculous. Like he's gained like five or six or three strokes in uh, with his approaches in like the last six events that he had a shot tracker or shot link. Uh, the iron play is too strong. Uh, he's been actually pretty good around the greens lately. It's just he's been, you know, he sucks balls of putting. But there's going to be a time where he sort of, you know, where he just puts a little below average instead of like massively the worst putter in the tournament 
There's got to be a tie. And, and so it, when he, he gets four rounds this week, you know, the thing about him is opportunities gained in the last 12 rounds. He's, I think, in the top – I have it written down here. He is first in opportunities gained in the last 12 rounds in this field. Opportunities gained is a stat on Fantasy National. Uh, it's, you know, you definitely you guys should check that uh, place out. It's really great to make your stats and models. But opportunities gained is how many times he leaves himself for a good birdie opportunity. And he has he's number one. You know, and another thing, he's top five in proximity from 125 to 150 and 100 to 125 yards in this field in the last 12 rounds. His wedges are money, you know. So I'm going to go Grillo as my final cash game cornerstone picks. My four cash game cornerstones going to be Bryson DeChambeau at 10K, Tiger Woods at 9,500, Tony Finau at 8,900, Emiliano Grillo at 6,900. Leaves you about 14,700 left. And this could be one of those rare weeks where I actually have two guys in the 6K range because I want to go top-heavy as much as I can. And by top-heavy, I want, like, as many guys over, like, close to 9K and above as possible. And I got three uh, with the first three cash game cornerstones. So that, that's going to be it. Go on and go with your picks in the 6K range, and I'll, I'll go after you. Yeah, Gr- Grillo was the obvious. Uh, you know, I think I said that earlier in the pod about how one of the things about this week, the pricing's okay, but it's not incredible. And this is one of those spots where I think it's just a wrong price. It is what it is. Sometimes you got to eat the chalk up, differentiate elsewhere. Don't fade them just to fade them. All the stats Kenny just listed, they're pretty solid. So there, there's some uh, peripheral plays or some guys around him that you can use. Uh, one I do like is Russell Knox. Again, another guy that's not going to pop up heavily across models, uh, but just watching him lately and seeing what he's been doing. Always a guy that can – can pop at any time and, and he's got a 14th and a 10th his last two times out stats that are pretty decent across the board he seems underpriced a little bit at 6800 brandon grace is there not not as high on him uh barn rat uh, i'll be interested to hear your take on him in a non-cut event uh he can always put up the points so i do like him uh and then down at the bottom i'm taking a shot here i could have made it at one of my t3po's instead of the rcb one i guess but i think answer is going to get you know a little bit of ownership for the obvious the hometown narrative uh, but it's kind of scary for him. He's going out with Tiger right out of the gate. Yeah. So the crowds are when already I heard that. When I heard that, I was worried. Yeah, me too. So, I mean, I, I wasn't going to be heavy on him out of the gate anyway because he hasn't really been as dialed lately as what you and I liked at what we saw at the start of the season. Still think he's a great talent, big upside. Love him, you know, in most fields. This field, not as much. And the, the one that I think a lot of there, – there's a few guys below him that people are going to go with, some between Bergergaard, Lipsky, Rye, even guys have brought up you know Wise and Stanley. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of this Aaron Rye guy, uh, mainly on the Ben Cauley tip there with you know sort of the overseas, the Joburg, the courses that he's been at. I, I do like him uh, just as a cut maker. Uh, his last five events you know over there, all, all cuts made, all decent turnouts, but he's sort of like a – uh, bird like like a, a fairways and greens guy that just if it's if he gets the right opportunities and it's a shorter track everything can sort of line up for him so Aaron Rye and then the one guy I'm going to go back to the well on is Kyle Stanley uh, don't know what's going on with him right now it's scary 6400 uh, but he's the guy that I sort of see and recognize and also know has some talent so while it's been bad lately and doesn't quite have the form he's he had it popping here for a little bit last year and then faded off. Uh, I could see that happening again. Maybe this is what gets him back on track. 
overall, he's a pretty good uh, good player and good ball striker. So, like you said, some of these shorter guys can show up. He proved it last year and then just faded on the weekend. Uh, I'll go with Stanley at 6,400 to round it out. Yeah, uh, I do like uh, Knox a lot. I do like Grace. Uh, Barnrat, I will play. Uh, you know, he can go birdies and bunches. And the thing about him is he's really good. He's been really good with his short wedges here recently. Uh, I think in the last 12 rounds, he's 15th in this field from 125 to 150. He's sixth in this field from 100 to 125. He's also been really good from the two par four ranges that I'm looking at. He's 14th in par four efficiency from 350 to 400. Uh, 20th in par four efficiency from 400 to 450. So I'll play a little bit of barn rat. Uh, I do like Lucas Beauregard. Uh, the thing about him is he is uh, he led the European Tour in total birdies. Last year, again, this is a no-cut event. You need birdies. Uh, and the thing is, like, even though he's a European guy, this course has, like, European flair to it. You know, it's not like your typical PGA-type course. You know, it's more similar to the courses that they would play uh, on the other side of the pond. So I'm not exactly too much worried about that. So I'll play Beauregard at 6,500. Uh, Aaron Wise, uh, I'm not playing. Uh, something's wrong with him. I think ever since he came back, looking like Hulk Hogan uh, after the yeah. uh, the fall break. He, he's not used to – his game hasn't caught up with the body changes. Uh, Rory McIlroy, you know, man. Makes yeah. me think of Rory when Rory first got jacked up. And it was like, eh, yeah. it's not working right now. It's not really working. I'm, I'm sure at some point in time his, his golf game will get used to the body that he has, but it hasn't yet. And you can yeah. see by him missing every cut he's played in this season or this year so far. My final pick is going to be sort of a flyer down below. Shugo Imahira. Uh, the thing about Shugo is, you know, he had all that hype coming into the Sony Open, and he did pretty well. Shot, thir- you know, 33rd place. Really nice, you know, but dominating the Japanese tour. He's, he's a good player. Uh, you know, this thing has, it's, it's, you know, I think he has a chance to, you know, maybe be in the top 50%. You know, top 30 would be good for him, if he, especially if he gets a good amount of birdies, you know, and, and drops because he has a bunch of bogeys. So that's going to be my final pick. All right. So let's move on. We're running a little bit low. All the conference, a little bit long. All the conversations we had earlier were money, but it is making us go a little bit longer. So let's, why don't you lead us into the betting segment, Tambo? Yeah. So first off, I want to, you know, thank our sponsors. So betql.co. Um, download the app. You can get it in iTunes, Android, both stores. Grab it, get it on it. Uh, check out a couple things. Value bets. So basically, just provides with all the the value bets. It's got algorithms on there that you can find sort of the top bets of the day. Uh, it does show you things like line movement, so you can see how the lines are moving to help fuel your process as far as what you're going to go on or or if you're going to follow the line or fade the line. Uh, and then that's with the public betting as well. So you can see all the trends in real time of where the money's at, uh, where the public's on, what the, the spread that they're playing. Uh, yeah, and for that, I'll tell you, leading into my picks, Kenny, and I, I got just three this week uh, to kick off. And so Rom, I talked about, I'm going to bite the bullet. I normally don't take guys up top, but I got them at 17 to 1. Uh, so pretty big on Rom. It's sort of like your JT pick last week. If that fades on Sunday to a second, I'll be pissed. Uh, Stenson, I talked about, you know, 70 to one on Stenson. Again, don't know what's going on with them, but if he pops and goes off, anything can happen. Uh, and then I talked about Stanley a little bit. Don't really expect as much for him. I'm going to hedge into it too. I've got the E-Trail already, but I'm going to get a, a top 10 or something where I can make a little bit more and still get decent odds uh, on him. And that, that's all I got for this week. Rom, Stenson with an E-Trail and Stanley with an E-Trail. I'm going to go start with Xander at 20 to 1. 
Uh, you know, I'll probably also bet somebody one of the favorites, but he's going to be my first one. Xander 20 to 1. Again, no cut event, strong field. This is his shit. Uh, 20 to 1. I like that number. Uh, Cantley, 33 to 1, is going to be another bet. I, I think that number is a little bit high as well, especially about how well he's playing this season. Sergio, 40 to 1, uh, with his birdie or better. Uh, you know, with the, the amount of birdies that he hit last week, the game looked strong even after his little outburst. Uh, the whole Kuchar and the J.B. Holmes thing was great for him because people weren't really talking about what he did when he played uh, uh, this past week. And then I got Cam at 66-1, to and I'll probably put a top five bet on Cam also when that comes out. Um, and so Cam Smith at 66-1. to all right. Anything else before we head out? Do we have one and dones? Yeah, I, I got. Even know if I, I got, picked one yet. I got my one and done for the week. I'll go into it first if you're looking. But um, yeah, I took a strategy early on of going with the big dogs and trying to make it happen. And I've got like every single week, I've got the top ten or top fifteen out of obviously all the DJs. I blew up all the good picks, so um, I got one good pick still left, I think. And and my one and done here is I've already used up Rom, or I would go with him. But I'm gonna use Finau, and I'm gonna hope that this could be the week. Uh, I don't think that's just, I wouldn't even put the bet on him because the odds aren't, you know, really something I care about if I miss. But at the end of the day, the big thing with Fina I'm hoping is that, well, it was at different times. He, his win on the, at the Puerto Rico open, maybe he sees that on the calendar this week at the same time this is on. It gives him a little, <laughs> you know, nostalgia or whatever, where he's like, yeah, you know, I won that event before. Maybe I can do something here. He's obviously been pretty good lately, like I said. So, I think there's going to be a time at some point. I really don't know if this will be it, but I'm happy to keep burning up guys and one and done. So I'll try Fina for this one. I think I'm going to go Sergio as mine. I just think that, you know, he's had good history here. He owns a home at Cranston Sierra, so he plays in this type of elevation all the time. He should be used to it. Uh, and, you know, he's had a couple of top 15s here uh, in the last couple of years. We'll see if he can pull one out and finally get a W. So uh, we'll go Sergio as my one and done. All right. So I think that's going to be it. Uh, Tambo, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, gupscorner.com, um, over there with all the boys, Gup, Bucks, everyone. So, uh, yeah, basically I got an article that's going to come out there, Tambo's Tea Time. It'll be out Wednesday. It'll be these uh, T3POs, and I'll probably add one more in with a little more in-depth on everything uh, and whoever my extra of the week is. And then on Twitter, at Toe and Tambo, all my egregious takes on Kucher, Slow Play, Spieth, you name it. Yeah, you can find me uh, at powerhourpod.com. I write my weekly article there, give out all my picks there. Uh, you know, good Slack chat, uh, a little, you know, really nice uh, customizable stat spreadsheet. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at KendoVT. I put out a ton of information on there. If you haven't followed yet, you definitely should. Uh, before we head out, make sure if you enjoy the pod to leave a like and it's a nice review. It really helps us out. It helps keep the pod free. Uh, so if you like the pod, if you like what we're doing, if you're a fan of every week, please leave, leave a five-star re- review on the pod. It'll really help us out. All right. So that's going to be it for this week. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good tournament, great field. Can't wait to watch it. Let's win some money, DGENs. Good luck. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. 
a bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.